All right, welcome to the Everyday Mealmanship Podcast. Hanging out here with my lovely wife, Sky. She's finally back on the podcast. She's taking a long, tooken, tooken. She's taking a long break. Welcome back, Sky. Hello. So <laughs> it's been a little while, uh, for one, since I've recorded a a podcast uh, doing the Meal Tip Tuesday stuff. Um, we've been in Arizona the last three weeks. We went to Mesa, Cyrita and Wickenburg. And so we're going to talk about those clinics and uh, we got a bunch of great questions. People have been sending in a lot of questions and we've gotten kind of behind on answering these. So anyways, we're, <clears throat> we're going to check these out here and get into it. So Sky was able to ride a bunch in particularly the Mesa, Arizona clinic. Yes, it was awesome. I owe uh, Nathan, who was our host, I owe his wife a Megan. lot. Yeah, Megan, she is the best. She let the girls hang out with her kids, and I was able to actually go on some of the trail rides. So it was super fun. Yep. Thank probably you. Probably one of the most fun clinics that I've been to, but I'm sure that's partly because I was able to participate so much. <laughs> but we did a lot of fun stuff there, too. Yeah. Uh, big thanks to Nathan and Megan Hire for hosting us there in Mesa. So it was a semi-private group clinic. <clears throat> which was kind of fun. There's only four um, participants. And the semi-private clinics, if you're not familiar with what we do, they, <clears throat> they're they kind of a, a uh, well, we, we, got them, we got them set in classes now, or I should say levels, right? Yep. So that one was a level one, which was beginner to intermediate snaffle bit mules. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so... It, everybody comes with the same level of animal uh, or, or really close levels of animal in the progressions of making a bridal mule. <clears throat> so that was pretty cool. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a great way people can come and, and they can practice the things that they have have been working on at home. And it's not quite like our, our normal classes where we uh, kind of go through a you know, a step-by-step -step type of deal. These semi-private clinics, I mean, we can just work on whatever whatever the people want to work on within the level of that progression. So it was pretty cool. So, Scott, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience being able to do that and with uh, how Cupcake did there and some of the activities we did. Um, it was really fun. I The first day was really cold. So <laughs> the ties directing me closer to the mic yeah, you gotta get it's very <laughs> distracting we're, okay. we're coming to you from the freightliner studio so yes. we're sitting in the truck this is the only quiet place around here there's kids <laughs> running around and there's mules everywhere lots and... of distractions around but anyway <clears throat> yeah. so the first day of the clinic there was really cold you guys actually i i didn't participate that day yeah. but the girls and i were also doing school you know we homeschool so anyway the first day they went out and did a little bit of groundwork and I guess you'll have to fill me in on what you guys did that first day before you came inside. Well, we start each day of these semi-private clinics. We start each day by having a conversation about mulemanship and I share with them usually uh, some type of inspirational mulemanship, uh, you know, information and kind of give them a little, I don't know what you call it, a little pep talk. 
Yeah. But get kind of get them, kind of get them pumped and ready to work, kind of get them motivated and inspired. I, I think it kind of just gets <clears throat> your mind thinking. Like it kind of wakes up your mind to be more aware of your mule and the things that you want. Because for me, I often, you know, I'm going to go out and ride and I just, I don't um, think about my goals necessarily every time I'm out there where Ty is so goal oriented, you know, like he's always working towards something. So for me, it's really nice. I enjoy the uh, little group chats that we do at the beginning. Um, it kind of gets my mind in the right place, which helps me get my mule's mind in the right place right off the bat. And we make a lot more progress that way, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to get people thinking, get them in the mulemanship mindset. And if you can get into that mindset, it seems like you make a lot of progress, you know, being mindful and, and working with all these mules, it, it makes a big difference. And a lot of people, uh, you know, and including us, you know, you kind of get in your routines, you kind of just get through your, doing your day. And, um, you know, sometimes it's, sometimes it's uh, hard to remember, you know, to be mindful about your writing and you kind of just go through it. And I'm not saying that that's bad either, because Sometimes you need to not be so, I don't know what the word is, but so like drilling and, and so like, well, I think so set. for me, I, I'm so easily distracted by, you know, my thoughts wandering to, oh, like right now trying to make sure I'm staying focused and not thinking about all the things I got to do after this. You focus on this. Yeah, I'm focusing, focus. <laughs> but same for me with writing, you know, if I go get my mule out, my mind often wanders to what is coming that day rather than staying in the moment and being there for my mule. So it's kind of fun to get everybody together at the beginning and kind of get all of us focused mm -hmm. on what we're there for. And something that Ty says at the beginning of every clinic, um, you know, the bigger public ones or, or these semi-private clinics is, you know, how often do you get to spend, you know, three or four days, which, whichever it is on just you and your mule and working on these things. So it's really nice to kind of put everything out of your mind and really, I don't know, it just really gets your, your mind, um, warmed up for learning. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what's nice about the semi-private clinics too, is there's, like I said, there's only four people. But usually those clinics, most of the hosts, depending on who hosts it, but most of them, I mean, they organize it to where we eat pretty much every meal together, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And we spend that whole day together. And then or at least have a gathering place yeah, where we can yeah, do and, those things. And then in the evening, we usually sit by a fire or something like that. So we kind of really spend four days, four full days together, um, which is, is uh, you know... It, it wears, it wears on all of us, uh, for sure. That's a lot of, that's a lot of intensity of mule work for sure. And just mule talk, but it's pretty cool. I think a lot of people enjoy totally immersing themselves in their mules, um, for those four days and get a lot out of it. So that first day, back to what we were talking about, the first day we, uh, you know, we started out with a, with a kind of inspirational chat, talking about goals, talking about what we want to accomplish. And, just as soon as we go out to the arena to start working on things, it just started raining and it was windy and cold 
Uh, and it was, I felt really bad because I didn't, I really didn't want to let myself get cold in Arizona. <laughs> it's just not fair. It's not right because <laughs> back at home, it's just like negative, you know, negative temperatures and just really cold. And here we are in Arizona and it's 40, but it's raining and it's windy and it just feels super cold. And the wind, I think yep. just is what did, what tipped the scale of cold to too cold. But we worked for, we, we stayed out there for probably about a little over an hour we did a little groundwork and we did a little, did a little writing. And, uh, I looked over at one of the participants, Herman, Herman Macharo, and he looked so cold <laughs> and I was cold. I, I was legitimately cold. You know, I was like, Oh, this sucks. But you know, I just bear through it. Like, I don't know. I just go somewhere else in my, my, my mind <laughs> and just like, well, I'm here, you know, not much I can do about it. Right. Uh, <clears throat> but I looked over at Herman and he, he was clearly cold. And, uh, I remember I, I asked Lisa, uh, Hey, how would you feel if we went inside and, uh, went through, I, I mean, I got, you know, what I got hundreds of pictures, right. Of different things that you've taken over the clinics of different moves and, and different things. And what if we go inside, we talk about kind of have a little bit of an online presentation and, and then uh, they were like, yes, <laughs> you know, and Nathan, same thing. He's like, yep. That sounds good. Yeah, you know, everybody. No hesitation. Nope, yeah, nobody said no. I want to ride more. Everybody's like, yeah, it sounds good. So we went in and warmed up, and then we spent the day uh, kind of looking at looking at pictures and and things uh, of of everything from groundwork to riding work. You know, I've been doing these virtual clinics the, the last couple months. You know, I've been doing one a month, and so I got all I have all my pictures here on my computer, and so we just basically went through you know those virtual clinic pictures. You know. And I kind of gave them the presentation and, and then we talked about bits and, uh, progressions. You know, we pulled out the snaffles, we pulled out the, the hackamores and we pulled out the, the bridles and, and talked about that. It seemed like they enjoyed it, but, and you got to come and hang out a little bit for that. Yeah, I did. As soon as we got school done, I came in and I, I really enjoyed the, that kind of setting. I mean, I obviously like to ride and, and do everything else too, but. I don't know. There's something about sitting around and talking about it and pointing out things when you're not in the middle of something with your own mule, you know, you can yep. kind of think and it just gets your mind kind of rolling, you know? Yeah. So I really enjoyed that. And, um, the next days were really nice and yeah, they're great. Yeah. Well, let's see. The first day started out in the arena and, um, everybody kind of, does their little checklist. You get to a point where you maybe have a question or need some help and Ty will help you in that, in that moment where you're at. And then, um, uh, had a little bit of a lunch break and then we hit the trails. It was, it was really fun. And, um, great riding around yeah, Mesa there. It was so pretty and it wasn't far from where Nathan lives there. And we didn't have to trailer much more than like, you know, yeah, because well, I'll minutes. be honest, usually I look at <clears throat> most of Arizona and it's similar to like, you know, kind of like how the West Desert is out in Utah where, you know, like, okay, well, you've rode a mile, you've seen it all, you know, that's kind of, that was kind of my attitude down there. It kind of like it looks it's the, the same, same no matter how far you yeah. go <laughs> yeah. sometimes. But we get down there and some of the spots he took us, it was pretty cool. You get back into those little canyons and stuff and the rocks and the formations and things changed and that was pretty neat to it was really cool like just the 
the scenery and you know i i uh take a lot of pictures <laughs> and the pictures just never look as nice as it was you know the but it was just so beautiful and that day from the day before that was it the superstitions that were out yeah behind we were there the they had a uh, snow on them which i guess is like a once a year thing and it just made for some beautiful scenery yeah so yeah that was the first day the second day started out with I missed I missed most of the meetings because I was trying to get school done <laughs> so with my girls but um, it was really fun there we did some work with the cows uh, they had these little tiny <clears throat> what were they zebu uh, zebu Koreani cross Koreani. and weren't they like mini zebus or, or are they just small because of the Koreani they were like little baby I don't deer know, I don't know much about those type of cattle but yeah, they're just little African type cattle, I think, right? Yeah, they were <coughs> and, super uh, cute. <laughs> uh, yeah, we so we, we played with the, with the cows a little bit. That was a good experience. Uh, but the rope and dummy they had here, kind of like a uh, I don't know what the brand of that was. It was kind of like a, a hot heels type of a rope and dummy. You know, one you can pull behind the fuller. But that was that was a lot of fun, and I'm excited here. We're here in Sedona. Now getting ready for another semi-private clinic, and Lisa has a hot heels out there. Sweet. Uh, but tell them a little bit about how you liked using that rope and dummy for some of the things we did, like lead changes. and. It was and, great. Uh, it was super fun. And... So we first started with just kind of, tr I don't know, tracking it. I don't know. Is that what you would call it? You just yeah, follow it. Yeah, the first thing you do is you get the mules to rate. So you kind of try to get them to hook on to where they, the, the, the cow or like in this case the dummy was it was the natural draw and uh, basically it's, it's just like the you know the making the right thing easy wrong thing difficult that's really all it is and you make it really easy to be there when they're right there with a the cow all the pressure's off life needs to be super good and basically we i give all of you a basically like a a, a imaginary box to put the mule in right and it was, you know, right there behind the cow and a, a few feet this way, a few feet that way. And as long as the mule was within that little imaginary box tracking the cow, uh, we didn't do anything. Remember, pressure is off. And I, and I tried to illustrate that when I was working Hannah. Do you remember me working Hannah? Yep. Um, but I, I tried to make it j just super easy. And I didn't do anything. And you also have to let them fell a little bit. You kind of have to let them fall out of that box to bring them back in the box to make it easier to be there right so tell them a little bit more about that about when i when i got on hannah there what you saw that a lot of people weren't doing well hannah was a little bit nervous not nervous like a. she's a three-year-old cautious yeah she's just come or yeah she's three um she was a little cautious of that fake cow. <laughs> she was not yeah. sure. So getting up near it, um, she would do it, but she was not comfortable. So when Ty would follow it as it was moving, um, he'd get up. Well, he'd try, like he was saying, like try and keep her in this one spot, but let her, if she felt the need to fade away, he'd let her fade to a certain point yep. of bringing her back and saying, no, this is where. And actually the key is not to make them not to keep them in the spot right not to make them stay in the spot that that is the true key and a lot of people get fixated on trying to make them be somewhere it's the same thing when we see people work on an obstacle you know we were down there to boyd ranch we're going to talk a little bit about that 
but obstacles and you see folks try to make them do the obstacle like keep them there <clears throat> rather than letting them go away and making it more difficult and so like as i was working there i let hannah be at the cow i let her like it was privilege for her to be there at the cow and when she was away from the cow there's more pressure uh and more pressure doesn't have to necessarily mean a whole bunch of work it just means there's more pressure so i picked up on the rain and used my outside leg for example and or if she she got too far behind i'd use both legs and she'd have to she'd have to lope or trot to catch back up to the cow so it was just more pressure but um it's letting them be there right yeah so she she uh figured out really quickly where the happy place was it was right right up there beside that uh dummy and she even got to where she would put her ears back and she's focused and following it and i think she even went with teeth at one point to yeah, grab she, hold did. Of it. Yep. <laughs> she figured it out really quickly um it's fun to watch ty work at things because because he gets it done so much faster <laughs> because <laughs> Because he knows exactly what he's doing, you know, where a lot of us in the class are still trying to figure out what we even want the mule to be doing. So watching him work Hannah at this, because she'd never seen anything like this. I mean, she's got what, how many rides on her? Like 50? Yeah, about 50, 50 rides, rides now. Maybe. At that point, it was about 40. Yeah. So anyway, she's, you know, not been a not been out a whole lot. Um, she's not seen a lot. But um, anyway, it was just fun. It's always fun for me to watch Ty um, work through things because his timing, um, I mean, timing is everything. So, and then uh, the rest of us, you know, we're just trying to figure out what we're supposed to be doing so that our mules can figure <laughs> out what we want them to do, but we don't know exactly what we want them to do. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, so um, I'm trying to think, uh, let's see. Herman's mule was pretty. Herman's nervous. mule was pretty scared. Ryan's mule was pretty scared of it. Yeah, and uh, you know, but uh, Herman made quite a bit of progress. That mule didn't want to go anywhere near that rope and dummy. She had no with, interest. Like, nothing. <laughs> it, it, she was she was scared of it. And by the end of the deal, she he had the mule standing next to the rope and dummy, and it was licking. Yes. Licking the rope and dummy. <laughs> She's like, "You're my friend. I feel good with you." And that's really it, right there. What you just said. They need to feel good wherever it is that you want them to be. They need to feel comfort there. And they're like comfort. It's like a comfort seeking missile. They just go right to the comfort wherever the comfort is. That's where they want to be. Um, you know, one of the easiest examples for a lot of our listeners here to probably relate to this, because a lot of these people listening right now to the podcast have rode with me in a clinic but what happens a lot is I'll ha I'll send the people out and I'll have them working in a clinic, right? All over the arena. And I will be in the middle of the arena and I'll have them come gather around and we'll have a chat. And while we're having our little chat or I'm showing the next move, all the mules are relaxing and finding comfort. And usually the one I'm on, unless I'm on a colt or something, uh, you know, I'm on something that's very comfortable out there, just being comfortable and those other animals are not quite comfortable and they see my mule and they say, I want to be by that. I, I want to feel that way, you know? And so they're trying to, they're kind of drawn to the middle where you let them rest mm -hmm. and where that comfort is. And it's the same thing with working cows, same thing with following this rope and dummy. 
they will seek the comfort. And if you can kind of get that mindset drilled into your head, you know, mealmanship is so much easier if you pattern everything you do around trying to help that mule find comfort, whatever it is, whether it's crossing a bridge, water, working cows, going over a jump, uh, changing leads, whatever. Yeah, I see people kind of do the opposite, um, not knowing that that's what they're doing. But say, for example, you're trying to um, step on a bridge and I see all the time where, or, I mean, same thing with working the dummy, you know, but say you're trying to step on this bridge and I see people where they're, they're kicking while the mule's going forward and towards it. And then as soon as the mule slows down and, and kind of goes backwards, they stop kicking because then, yeah. you know, and it's just exactly opposite of what you want to do because you want it to be comfortable going forward and getting closer to what it is, uh, you know, the pressure is on when they are going doing opposite of what is wanted. Um, well, that's pretty common too. Like, so I announced the, the mule ramble at the Boyd ranch mule days. Mm -hmm. I was the announcer, not by volunteering, <laughs> but because you I was, got, vol got voluntold. <laughs> yeah. I was voluntold by Scott Stewart to, to announce the mule ramble, which if you've never been to the Boyd ranch mule days, you guys got to go. We had so much fun. We're cool. going to talk about that more in a second, but what I was getting at was, well, I was announcing it. Do you remember um, Scarlett trying to get her donkey Darby on the bridge? Mm -hmm. And she was working and she did a really good job. So I have no idea if Scarlett listens to this. She's only nine. She yeah. probably doesn't. <laughs> probably not. Uh, maybe her parents do. I told her dad about this. So maybe, maybe they'll find it. I think Angie might listen to it. But anyways, watching Scarlett work, it was interesting because, you know, I was kind of letting her work through it. And I'm in the announcer. I'm trying not to, at that moment, I was trying not to get into Clinician, clinician mode. mode because I'm just the announcer. It's my job just to it's, tell the story. It's not your show anymore. It's You're not just... my show. I'm just there to tell the story. I'm not there to tell somebody how to do something. But but Scarlett was in my clinic, you know that that week before, right? Uh, a few days before. So she was. So I felt like I needed to help her. So I'm I'm trying to give her a couple small hints as she's working through it. But I'm hearing in the audience completely opposite instruction. Like at the donkey, as the donkey started to go, I'd hear, I heard somebody yelling in the background. Okay, keep kicking, keep kicking, keep kicking. When that was the exact moment when the donkey was going that needed to find relief and, and not kick, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I heard that. And, and I think that's just common. Like people like, oh, you got, you know, you you got to well, build on the momentum. Like yes. keep it going. Don't let it's it like, stop now. Like trying, especially with donkeys, I see that a lot where people don't want to let the I mean, I have the same problem with cupcake at the lope where, yep. you know, trying to keep that, that ball rolling, don't let it die because you're going to start over. But in these cases, you actually need to let, it's more of a thinking, let them think through it, you know? Well, it's, it just comes down to, do you want to have to babysit that mule forever or not? And like you work through cupcake at the lope, you know, trying to have to hold her into it. You know, if you have, if you start holding her into that lope, then you're going to have to hold her in it forever. Yeah. And uh, if you have to kind of hustle them through, through moves or a bridge or something, you're going to have to do that forever. So I don't want to have to babysit them. I want to ask them to go. And then I want them to know that when they go, they will find even more relief. And that's the key. So anyways, we kind of applied the same, that whole same principle to, you know, they're working with that rope and dummy and we had a lot of fun with it. And a lot of people make good progress there or made really good progress. That was pretty fun. 
Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah. It was it was really fun. Another thing we did there once we, I guess it was the second day maybe that we worked on the lead chain. I mean, the third, third day. Yeah, third or fourth The second day. time working with it, I mean. But um, the, we did where we would follow the dummy, you know, the person driving would make a figure eight. Uh, well, I mean, they would do some circles and then make a figure eight and then do circles on the other way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was not a great explanation. But... It was like a simple lead chain exercise. Yeah. So, so we would follow it. To the right for a couple of circles. Yes. And then. Open on a right lead. Yep. And then we once it crossed through the middle to go the other way, you would slow to a trot and make that lead change to the other to the side. Left. Yeah. And like we were saying with Cupcake, she, she would rather not lope. <laughs> At least by herself, by herself or in an arena or, you know, if she doesn't feel like there's some purpose to it, if there is, she's great. But following that dummy, she had, I mean, I didn't have to, she, she, you had her really hooked onto it, which made a huge difference. I didn't have to, to go. I didn't have to tell her where to be. Um, I did a little bit because she would get a little bit ahead of it, um, uh, sometimes, but she wasn't trying to go. I mean, she was right there with it without me having to tell her where to be, which was super fun. And, you know, if I'm working, working on lead changes just out in the arena, just her and I, maybe through some cones or something, um, she has the hardest time with those lead changes because she's already in this, like, I don't want to lope mind frame. Um, but following this, we had a really, it was just really fun to have like a, a pull. What do you, a draw a draw yeah a draw that i mean we could almost we could we could do a lead change in in maybe two trotting strides and and lead change um because she had this draw um and it was really fun we worked to where we were on the outside of the dummy uh as if we were trying to get the cow to turn um anyway it was super fun yeah, it was great. It's a great tool, and uh, I love whenever we have the opportunity to use a tool like that. And uh, we really need to get one at home. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> yes, it was I really would love fun. to have one. It was fun to have to for her to learn how to rate also. Yes. So she was, because like I said, she was trying to get too far ahead of it. Where if it was a real cow, she would have caused it to turn back. Um, so trying to keep up for her to learn how to stay with it, but don't get ahead of it. Don't get too far behind, you know, and even though it's a four wheeler, it's still not going the exact same speed the whole time. Whoever's driving, you know? Oh yeah. You know, so yeah, you for make her a turn slow down, just yeah. like a cow does. It was, it was really fun. It was one of my favorite things we've done. Yeah. It was a good time. And we got to do a little rock crawling while we were down there. Too. We did. Yeah. That was, you know, little mini rock hopping. It was like playland out there. Uh, I could have that last, trail ride we did i can't remember what it the area was called but uh it was like a a playland i could have played rode around there all day long yeah it was a great time it was super fun and then the last day we played with those little cows yeah we're going to talk about that right after our break here we gotta <laughs> we gotta take a quick break and thank our sponsors and when we come back we're going to talk about sky's first no. time <laughs> roping We'll be right back. No catching. Yeah, catching. (laughs) Yeah. I need to thank my friend, Mr. Ben Lewis at Roman Home. Mr. Ben has designed a really awesome tent. It's a cross between a wall tent and a range teepee. 
It's built to take tough weather, high winds. Craftsmanship is amazing. And it's made right here in the USA. Right here in Utah, USA. And uh, right now, Ben has a special going on. You can save 500 bucks. And uh, go to romanhome.com. Roman spelled R-O-A-M-I-N. Romanhome.com. And uh, tell Ben hello. Tell him Ty sent you. All right, we're back. Sky's going to talk about her first time catching a cow. Yeah, catching see, a cow. It's not my first time roping. She's it roped my many times. First time catching and, and doing dallying. something about it. <laughs> so, so we worked on the, yeah the last day of the clinic. Uh, since Nathan had some cattle there, we were able to uh, basically work on some three man uh doctoring skills well, before that we did a little bit of like what would you call it sorting or oh yeah yeah we bit. did we did just some just some road deer work where we would uh we'd cut a, cut a calf out and move it a little bit and yeah and the rest of the folks got to kind of block and everything and, and that was fun so we worked the cows a little bit just uh, kind of like one of our one of our our cow working clinics we have an intro to cow working class there's a few of them we do around the country uh so we did a little mini version of that it was super fun the cow working classes are are uh, probably they're fun i don't know if they're my very favorite because i do like the our, well, their our application they're they're yeah. you're, you're doing the moves but you're applying it so it, it's real it it shows you exactly what you need to work on exactly. because it'll show you how much you got you know but um i want to share there's one time that um, I had cut a cow out. We were trying to keep it back or, you know, keep it separated from the herd and everyone else was keeping it from running the opposite direction, um, in a row deer, like Ty said. And there was one time where I was following it, you know, and cupcakes really cowy, but she usually is a little too much, a little too much. Like she's, she's, she's too aggressive. Sometimes. Yeah. She wants to go after them. She just thinks it's so fun, uh, <laughs> to move them. But, um, so I'm usually trying to kind of hold her back a little bit. Like, don't, don't attack them all. And she's usually looking at the herd rather than the one that we're actually moving, um, you know, cutting this time. I finally got her hooked on for just as, just for a moment to where she made the turn with the cow before I even, before I even initiated it. And it is the coolest feeling. I only have had that one other time with Chrome, um, our older mule. And anyway, it was super fun. Yeah. Really cool feeling when your mule is, has got it, you know? Yeah, it, it's pretty cool. You know, we don't, and to be, to be honest, we're, we don't train to, and work to make cutting mules. So that's not our, our focus really. These are just ranch mules and trail mules. Well, and how often do we and actually we yeah. be in that setting where we have to cut one out? Yeah, very, very way. rarely, you know, in real life on a ranch, you, you, you actually want to avoid that situation where you had to put that much pressure on the cow to, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. you, you actually want to use your stockmanship to move your cow. So you wouldn't be put in that tight cutting situation. Not super often. Not very often. It does happen. You bet. We get in some boxing matches for sure. And Cupcake actually helped me uh, well, a couple weeks ago. Well, right before we went yep. for the, we went to this clinic we're talking about, I had to go help my buddy and, uh, he had a, a first calf heifer that was having a hard time and that didn't want any, anything to do with, with go, you know, 
going to the corrals to get some help. She was really fighting and which didn't help the situation, but cupcake would get right in there. And, and so sometimes you do have to do that fast work, but yeah, when, when they hook onto one and they turn, they turn and go with one. Uh, it's pretty, it's, it, it was cool. the coolest thing. Yeah. <laughs> I cool. can't even explain to you. Like, and, and it's funny cause when both times when I had that one moment, you know, cause I, I don't really get to go and do a whole lot of ranch work as much as Ty does. I'm usually, you know, home with the kids. <laughs> so, yep. um, but it's just a really cool feeling. And then, and then I'm so in awe by it that then I lose the cow because I'm like, oh, that was awesome. <laughs> there goes the cow. <laughs> yep. Anyway, so that part was super fun. Yeah, it was a good time. So then, you know, as we're working the cows there, then I get just a little bit excited. <laughs> yeah. And I pull my rope down and next thing you know, I got one on the end of the line and I'm saying, Hey, some, you guys grab your ropes. It's time to, time to go. You guys, I didn't even bring a rope because I decided, what was it like last year? Well, last year you said, I'm not roping ever again. I quit. I was like, I don't need this. This is just too much anxiety for me. (laughs) I just couldn't like, I don't have enough knowledge to be in this situation and have my mule and mine and this calf's life on the line. No, it makes a difference too. You got a year's worth of education on your mule. Yes, I have a lot better handle on her. If you got a good handle, roping is not nearly as scary or intimidating or hard. It's not as hard. It, you know, if you got a mule that has a handle, it's it makes Mm -hmm. all the difference. I mean, it's kind of the same way with with anything you do. You know, there's a lot of people that do things that have a hard time and or don't enjoy it. And I just think, you know, if you rode a, a mule that was handy. You would have just loved that mm-hmm. experience. You know, you, you would have really enjoyed that. But so many people don't get that. But you got mm-hmm. cupcake handier. So so we get we get a few roped. And um, did you ever have to get down, doctor? Did no. I ever make you do that? No. No, I was going to, but somebody jumped at it. Uh, I did that the last time when I yeah. decided I wasn't going to rope anymore. <laughs> I said, I'll be the doctor. And then I didn't like that either. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Anyways, we I just kept catching him, and and Ryan Ryan was pretty handy with his rope. He'd come in there and yeah, and catch. And uh, Nathan Nathan was pretty good with his rope too. Uh, his mule just needed a little bit more of a handle, and he would have enjoyed it more too. Yeah. Well, they all would have enjoyed it more if their their mules were a bit handier. That was really the the holdback on most of their roping skills. Um, but. Mine, it was fun. I had the mule. I just didn't have the skills. Yeah, yeah. You had a mule that was handy <laughs> enough. You just you just needed the roping skills. Oh, yeah. But uh, it was it was fun. Uh, Lisa, uh, she was super excited, and I kind of I was trying to get her on the podcast this morning because we're actually here at Lisa's house. She's our host here in Sedona, but she just took our girls and they went into town. Um, but I I wanted her to talk about that. Yes. About having to because I I had her doctor meaning you get off your mule. Which is really, really good for your mule because you need some ground tying skills and your mule needs to be really good to lead. And I'm talking about broke to lead to where you can get up there next to the cow uh, or the calf, whatever you got roped. And you need to be able to keep your mule there on the lead at the same time, be able to take the, take the rope off of the, you know, off of the head and uh, onto the, the front leg there, put it on the front legs there and. And uh, that's kind of the doctoring part of it. And if you actually had to administer some type of, you know, medical help to the calf, that's the time you do it. But um, anyways, Lisa got to do the doctoring, but 
tell them about how you felt when you <laughs> caught your first set of heels. Actually, caught a heel. Caught heel. You caught a heel for the you first guys, time. It sounds really cool if I said it, it, I posted a picture. I'm like, this picture looks really cool because none of you know how it actually went. But I was super calm. No. <laughs> I'm no. a very calm person, you Sky guys. I have zero anxiety. Sky's an anxiety wreck, you guys. Yeah, Every, I, I mean, she is ridiculous, but the last she hangs time, in there. Yeah, the last time I was in this situation, I popped my top and had a full-on panic attack. I was like, I, I the, don't... You went too far. <laughs> I went too far. Too far into the sympathetic nervous system. Yeah, my brain, once I, hit, once I pop that top, I just can't be in the moment and think straight. And it does not become a safe thing for me to hold a rope or a cow. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that was the last time. And Cupcake was perfectly fine then. She was super calm. Anyway, this time, these these little cows are just itty bitty. And they are super quiet. I mean, Ty's got the one roped. And uh, I just wanted to see if I could catch his heels. And, <laughs> and then I caught one. Like, oh, no. What do I do now? So then after that, he's like, dally. You know? So I dally. Like, but, 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 but what do I do? <laughs> yep. Anyway, I was uh, super calm because that's how I am nope. every day. <laughs> no, I was I was trying really hard not to you be did better ridiculous than sometimes. Yeah, because there are people around. <laughs> so, My students. Yeah, all time. I even asked him before, like, will you be embarrassed if I have a panic attack? <laughs> anyway, yes, yes it was, I will. Yes, and <laughs> me too. But anyway, it was super cool though. So I caught one heel. Yep. Which I, you know, I would have loved to catch both, but and you dallied, and I dallied up. And I backed Cupcake up. We got it stretched. I was, you know, I've seen a lot of really good horsemen. Um, Ty and I went to a really cool uh, event, the Buckaroo. Great Basin Buckaroo Gathering. gathering. Yeah, and I watched. You could you could tell the difference from the people who, who um, have a good handle on their animals. Um, but more more about how they take care of, of the, the stock. The, the stock, yeah, because, yep. you know. I don't know. It was just really cool to watch people, how they could slide the rope. Um, they wouldn't pull them so tight and have them just like so fast to their saddle and stretch the calf too far. Like you got to take care of the animal. That's the whole point of usually, you know, doctoring them because you're going to yep. take care of them. Anyway, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be one of those. This guy really cares about the animals, which I is do. great. That's good to have stockmanship and people, if you ever get an opportunity to work for, for ranchers and cowmen, you know, they appreciate stockmanship and smooth work and smooth, taking care not because, fast. because that, that animal that you are roping and doctoring and, and administering to that is money. That's their, that is their livelihood. And yeah. if you damage that calf, uh, which is easy, uh, it's easy to, to put some damage on one with a rope if you're not educated and how to, which is Handle it correctly. that's exactly why I had a panic the last time. Cause I'm like, I love, they were our own personal mini cows. And I was like, I love these cows. <laughs> I, I should not be allowed to, to do this anyway. But so I just was trying to do my best to um, stay in the moment mm -hmm. and not, you know, put the cow in more stress than it needs to be in or steer, whatever, whichever one I caught. And you got, if you guys want to see a cool picture of sky doing this, you can go to my Instagram uh, or our Facebook page, either of them, or I need to put it on TikTok. I don't know. No, not TikTok yet. Or but uh, just go to our Instagram or Facebook, TS Mules, and just scroll down there. Look for Sky's real huge <laughs> smile. You can see my mouth wide like, open. She's super awe. excited. <laughs> she's having a blast. She's got a calf on the end of her rope, and it's it pretty great. cool. Yeah, the 
the, it was really fun. So once I got, once I, you know, it was kind of funny. I got cupcake, you know, she was totally calm and, um, we got the cow where it needed to be. And, um, once I was finally able to like relax into it a little bit, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is really fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, this is cool. Like you have to, you think about how much goes into just, uh, doing that, you know, like between the, the horse, the cow, the roping skills, everything that goes into that. Like now I just, it just gave me so much more respect for people who are able to do that with, yeah. with good animals and take care of their, their stock. So anyway, it was super fun. And I don't know if I'll ever do it again, but I might try. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it again. You know, it was also the first time that uh, Nathan and Ryan were, were, you know, ever roped. Lisa tried to catch. She she roped a few times. Uh, she tried to. Um, she did. She she was she was kind of half heartedly trying to catch it because I think she also kind of didn't want to catch it. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, "Oh, those poor cows." Yep. Yeah. yeah, but it, it was it was a good time. Herman Herman didn't rope off his mule. Uh, his mule was still trying to just get used to the cattle, and used to the rope too. He was uh, and Herman was brand new. He, he never roped before, so uh, he didn't get to rope. But it was it was fun watching you and watching Nathan and Ryan. All of you rope for the first time. Yes, it was so and cool to catch watch for the first time. Everybody was just really excited. If they he, got super if there was, excited. Yeah, there was like a meter, uh, an excitement meter. Yep. It was going off on every one of us. <laughs> well, and even even Lisa that she didn't she didn't catch anything, but she got off and had to, had to do the doctoring stuff, and she got you know her, her adrenaline got pumping too. It's, it's so much more intimidating than it looks. And uh, you know Herman <laughs> Herman the same way. So when we ended that clinic, everybody was on on uh, you know quite the quite the high the high. It was fun. It was. it was it was a lot of fun. It, it was, was fun. really rewarding. You know, semi private clinic. It, it, it was a great time. Yeah, it was cool. So big thank you, thanks to you, Nathan. I know you listen to the podcast. Shout out to you and uh, grateful to you and Megan for hosting us there in Mesa, Arizona. We hope yes. to come back. Megan is my favorite person on the planet now. For letting you and letting just... you uh, go ride yes. and play while and... she babysat all those kids. <laughs> they have four kids of their own. And then our two kids, and they got neighbors with a whole pile of kids. Yeah. So there's a lot of children around. It was just super fun. And it was, it was It was fun. She also took me to the gym with her in the morning. It was yeah, really you got to go do your high fit. So I got to do my my favorite things. Yep. So we got to ride my mule. I got to go to a gym class, which I never had to do. Yep. Anyway, it was a good time. So after we finished up Mesa, we went on to Sarita and... That was the windiest clinic oh we gosh. have ever done. I swear. We've I mean, had a it, lot of windy clinics. We've had tons of windy clinics, but that clinic was on the border of being too windy to work. Like, uh, you know, the, the mules just wanted to turn their butt to the wind and the dust was, was crazy. And, you know, just you, you get hardly, sandblasted. Yeah. You could hardly look. It was windy uh, every day. It was, it was really, really windy. Like two of the three days. Yep. But, um, but still everyone there kept at it. We, yeah, they were great. They were really good, really hard workers. Um, we had just a smaller group there. We usually have a big, huge class. It was kind of fun to have just a small group. Yeah. Yeah. Usually those classes are full and I don't know if it was just cause we have more clinics here in Arizona or what, but it was good. Uh, you know, uh, on, on the business side of things, we, we kind of need to fill the classes to be able to, to come back, come back. And, you know, like that's kind of the, 
the bad thing is, you know, when you don't fill up, you can't come back. But but uh, on the experience side of things, it's fun sometimes just to work with a few people. The foundation class, what, what do we have, eight or ten? Yeah, somewhere around eight. Somewhere eight, eight, yeah. And then, uh, you know, but the Mulemanship one class, we only had four. And, uh, you know, we just don't very often have a small Mulemanship one class. It's usually, it's usually bigger, but... By the end, we kind of made it into a mulemanship 1.5. We the last day we did a bunch of mulemanship two exercises, and and that was fun. And Herman, we mentioned Herman, he came to Mesa, and then he came to Sarita, and then Herman came to Wickenburg too. So Herman was the first person that I can think of that I remember ever doing three in a weeks row. in a row three clinics in a row like that except for lisa she's lisa's about up. to yeah because lisa was just in wickenburg and then she's got two weeks here yep and she was in uh mesa so she would have just done oh yeah, Mate, yeah she yeah, would have four four five weeks yeah. five out of five but she's gonna be four out of five here yeah which is pretty amazing too so uh but and and herman he made a lot of comments about how everything come together you know the semi-private clinics and a regular clinics they are very different i mean mulemanship is mulemanship we're working on the same you know the same you know principles and the same all the same truths of it you know but uh you know if you take a regular class for me it is a class you're gonna you're gonna go through the you're gonna learn our checklist that's pretty much what we teach is our checklist right yeah so you know and, and if you take a foundation class you're gonna be learning the foundation checklist the groundwork checklist if you're going to take a mulemanship one class you're learning that checklist the same thing with mulemanship two and so so he he did semi-private which is kind of a free-for-all so to you know in, in a way work work at your own pace do what you want well it just depends and, on what the group wants yeah. to do like that last day playing with the cows that was a decision a group choice yeah by the group that you want to go out on the trail today you want to play with cows today but our our mulemanship classes they are they are organized and you know, in order and it's a class you take. So, uh, and he said he really enjoyed that, the, the structure of it. Um, you know, kind of like he said, I kind of need a little structure, like kind of, you know, I kind of yeah. need to know what to do next and what to do next, what to do, to do next. So it was good, but, uh, yeah, sorry, Rita, it was a good time. It was good. I, I was going to add that I wrote in, uh, the mulemanship one class yep. a little bit here and there. Um, and I was telling Ty this just the other day that, um, cause you know, we have some people who come to clinics every year or we have some that come, I mean, not everyone can come every year or to multiple every year, but, um, we have some people who maybe haven't come for two years or three years and how much change it or, um, like it's like updated every year. Cause Ty is constantly learning you guys, if he is not working, he is learning about what well, I mean like everything Whatever. that you do yep. I mean Ty's whole life is <laughs> mules and learning um there's very little you know uh like, like you don't have other hobbies so I don't do anything is, else he doesn't do anything else besides you know hanging out with the family but even when we're doing that it often revolves around the mules and anyway so um it was it's always really good to do a mulemanship one class again, even though like for me, you know, I, I get to hear them or participate in the mulemanship well, And You've been one. to more than anybody. I've been to a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, you know, like it's not always the most exciting um, because it is more of that class setting, 
and it is the same checklist. Um, sometimes it's updated or there's a, a better explanation, but it's all, I told Ty, I'm like, I always enjoy Mulemanship 1 because it's still the same. It's the basics of all the things I'm trying to build on in the, in the, um, for the, the progressions. Yeah, yeah. The advanced progressions, you know, so I started writing Cupcake in the terrain. Um, and I mean, as soon as you go up into the next level, you, you're going also back to the basics yeah. within that level. So just having tie, I mean, what, what step is just rolling the hinds that's step right or two or three yep. you know and i always want help with him watching me roll the hinds and telling me if it was good enough or it could be improved or that was great or do more you know um so even at mine and cupcakes level and how many clinics i've seen and heard <laughs> um also uh like i was trying to move her front end this was before the clinic when we were just riding and and, you know, I was having some trouble getting it done um, with quality, you know. And so I asked Ty, like, okay, you know, he watched me for a second. He said, make sure you time up with that front foot. And I was like, oh, yeah, where have I heard that before? Yep. How many times have I heard? And I already knew this. But because, I mean, really, I didn't get a ride a whole lot through the winter. As soon as it snowed, I didn't get out as much. Um, but, you know, so even being you know, a few months off of clinics, <laughs> I already forgot one of the most important pieces is count those feet, yep. time up with the feet. And I'm like, oh my gosh, duh. <laughs> so just a little note out there for everybody that it's, it's so good. Even if you've already done the class, you can always get more. And, it, and my classes aren't really designed to one and done. Yeah. They're Cause not. it's continued in and, uh, and you get more particular. So if Ty says, you know, at Sayurita, we had, we had a few newbies there that had never been yeah. very new to us altogether. And then me who is, you know, knows a few things and, you know, telling them to roll the hinds is going to be maybe a different standard than yep. how much he's going to have me do or how particular he's going to be with, with me. And same with, you know, Lisa, who's been too many, and you might be more particular on, on the, the quality of her hind rolling. <laughs> than somebody who's brand new to it or a mule that's brand new to it. Yeah. So. Well, it's cool because I get to see and work with, you know, we figured somewhere between five and 600 mules a year and you can't help but learn and get better and, and learn how to help each mule better, you know, with that kind of numbers. And, you know, I'm not, you know, five or 600 head might not sound like a lot to some people, to other people, it seems huge, you know, uh, but, but it's, it's a great way to learn. And, you know, well, every meal I see, I can try to get better. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I even learned, um, we had two Heidi's at the clinic, <laughs> um, but Heidi Dinkle was working with a horse and she asked, um, I, I'm trying to remember if it was rolling the hinds or I think if she was going into the fronts. Anyway, I had like a little aha moment from watching her um, asking you a question, you know? Yeah. So I was like, oh, you know, and it kind of sunk in for me and what I was going through to watch her be crit not critiqued, but whatever is it critiqued? Oh, I don't know yeah. by you. So um, it's just always, it's always fun because there's different people, different animals. You can learn something every single time, even though it's the same class. Well, yeah, and you never know. I never know what questions are going to come up. It, yes. it could be. It's very different from week to week. 
uh, I get a lot of people that probably one of the most common topics of discussion, just, just like around the campfire discussions, people say, do you get sick of saying the same stuff every week? <laughs> and although I do teach the same topics every week, like, you know, I, I do teach and, and I suppose a lot of the stuff I, I say is the same thing. Uh, but it's not too, like we get, I get asked so many different questions and so many different scenarios come up. Uh, there are totally different mules. Oh yeah. Different, different mules. People. And questions can, can make or break a clinic really. Uh, you know, there's questions where, or, or there's clinics where there's really, uh, a lot of questions and, and people just kind of get, I don't know, they get primed to ask questions. And I've tried to master that as a teacher. Like, how can I get these students primed to ask questions? Because I know if they ask questions, they will get so much more out of the clinic experience than than a clinic where there's not a lot of questions. Yeah, like it's a totally different um, vibe to when there's lots of questions versus when there's not a lot of questions. You know, um, it's just because we do have a lot of really good question askers and sometimes they'll hold themselves back because nobody else is asking questions. And are like, no, 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 keep going because then that'll cause them to ask questions. And then it just gets you thinking more. It's oh, yeah. almost, it's almost the, the um, class setting version of our little talks that we have at the semi private, yeah, you know, like the more questions, the more thought provoking, you know, happens. When people ask, you know, outside of the clinic, I'm talking about campfire talk. They say, Hey, yeah, I bet you get so wore out with all those questions. And I say, actually, no, at the end of a clinic, if I was asked a lot of questions and I was engaged by the participants, I'm like, I'm like pumped. I feel good. The like times that he's the most drained is when, when nobody is talking, you know, nobody's yeah. asking anything and I have to carry on and talk for three hours. You just got to make stuff up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it is, it is draining. It's, uh, I get, I'm beat at the end of those type of deals, but when, but when the students are engaging, they, you know, or when they come prepared and they know what they want to learn, they, they want help. Um, you know, and they're not afraid to jump in there and ask a question. A lot of times when there's no questions, we feel like it's just cause they're newer or they just don't even know what questions to be asking, yeah. you know, which is why we want the others to be asking questions. Cause we need to get everybody kind of focused and thinking. And it's, it's interesting how it goes. You know, I'm a student. Sky just mentioned that. I mean, I'm always learning. I go to, I do continuing education all the time. I mean, I was, did an hour's worth of class this morning online, you know, like I'm I always, mean, every day you guys, um, every day, but I, I do go to uh, seminars and, and, uh, presentations and clinics of my, you know, myself as a student. And, and, uh, I'm honestly, I'm not much of a question asker, uh, just general observer. questions. I, I will show up though, and I will watch every single move. Um, you know, a couple of people that I have really learned a lot from and, and, uh, you know, I, I've been students of, you know, somebody like Martin Black and, and like Buck Branham and, uh, and I'm not particularly loud or talk a lot. Sometimes I don't talk at all. Um, but you're not going to catch me not watching those guys, like every single move that they make. I am, I'm watching, you know, and it, it amazes me how many people will, will go to something like that and they don't watch the, they don't watch the teacher, you know, uh, yep. and I'm like, you're missing so much. I see people a lot in our clinics and I've seen them in some of the ones I've just spectated yep. from, from other people. 
where the participants will ask another participant what to do. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, you guys, go ask the teacher. They're the ones you're going to get the correct information. We were actually spectating a Buck Brannaman clinic, and I watched this poor girl who was struggling and getting all kinds of advice from the audience. And it was, it was, it well, was I, not the right advice. Well, and I understand some of those, some of those places, there's a lot of students and it's, yeah. it can be intimidating and, and the teacher can be intimidating sometimes too. I try hard not to be, I don't feel like I'm intimidating. I feel like I'm kind of a goof. What yeah. do you think? I don't know. Your sunglasses, you always got sunglasses on. You usually have a straight face. So as long as my, you're smiling, I think my eyes are so weak. You're approachable. <laughs> I have to wear sunglasses because I can't. You guys see will have to tell us. I'd love so to hear bad. from other people if they feel like they, just their first impression of either you or I is is intimidating or not. Because I would hope not. Sky's sky is actually generally quiet, and so. That's why he has to drag me into this truck to Sky be Sky is podcast. generally quiet. So Sky's super happy. She's a happy woman. Like she's always smiling and giggly, but um, she's not necessarily one that if she doesn't know you, one of Sky's least favorite things to do <laughs> is to go ask the spectators oh, to pay the spectator fee. You guys. She hates it. She, she will cry about it. Like <laughs> she'll whine about it. So. I, I do. I So I just have to say also for all of you out there who have just walked up to me to pay your fee, you, you have no idea the relief that I get when I don't have to go and ask you to pay your spectator fee. It was like when I went and asked if you could do the laundry at the last stop for you. you yes. Oh, thank you for asking if you could I use the laundry. Ty, Ty's like, just go and ask Alyssa, who is wonderful. She's, Alyssa's so, wonderful. she's great. And, you know, I'm like, I'm sure she would. If there, if she said no, I'm sure there's a reason and it would be fine. But I, I just, you guys, I'm in anxiety. So case. I asked for her and I made her day. I, I did. I said, Ty, you, do you even know how happy and relieved I am that you just asked that question? So, so if you come, you got to come up and talk to this guy. She'll feel so much better. Yeah. I'm happy we to talk take to a break here. I'm not going to initiate it though, probably. Yeah. We got to take a break here and uh, thank another one of our great sponsors. We're, we're so grateful for all the support that people give us. So we'll be right back. Talk more about Sky's anxiety. <laughs> hey, want to jump on here real quick and give a big shout out to my buddy Colton Erring. Um, if you're looking for a good custom built saddle that fits mules and fits you, you need to check out Colt Saddlery. You find them on Facebook, Colt Saddlery, and uh, tell them Ty sent you. He will take good care of you. Okay, we're back. We were just talking about how how wimpy Sky is. <laughs> See, this is why Ty's like, why don't you want to be on the podcast with me? <laughs> <laughs> this is why. No, but it it's funny because because I'll tell Sky, I'm like, you need to go ask these spectators. Uh, well, I'll. You know, you got to see it from their point of view too. Like somebody that comes and watches the clinic, you know, Sky's usually well, in the morning. She does homeschool, okay, with a girl, so she's not necessarily out there like sitting at a booth all day. And so a lot of these spectators come, and they just probably don't know. And I'm in the middle of class, so it's not like I can necessarily go over there and 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 uh, take care of them. And a lot of times the host is in the classes as, as well. So sometimes they're just a little lost. So I'll tell Sky, go over there and introduce and say hi and 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 collect your fee or whatever. Most, nope. Most people. She don't want to do it. <laughs> no. I tell the time, like, well, if they, if they want to pay me, they will. 
or I'll make myself available so that, you know, but I've been trying to be better about it like last year and, and this year to go out and ask people if they need to check in, you know, yep. but um, I have had people be grumpy about it. So I had, I had a couple come in South Dakota and I was being proactive. I was doing my job and I said, hello, um, yes, 25 to watch. And there, it was a couple and he said, and he got really mad. I can't remember if it was him or the wife. And they said, you have to pay for it. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's just $25, whatever, you know? And, and, uh, anyway, and they turned around and left. <laughs> I was like, and oh. so it crushed her world. It did. They have no idea. So she did. didn't ask for another spectator fee for months. <laughs> And I'm like, Sky, you know, we have to pay it's for just, the fuel. I know. I'm like, is... I'm sorry. I, you could ride it for free. Everyone can be free. I don't want to, nobody has yep. to pay us ever again. <laughs> we'll just, well, I hate it too. To we'll just sell to our ask. house and yeah, we don't need any money. <laughs> we don't, we don't need, need to eat. We don't need to eat. It's fine. But, uh, Sky's working on the anxiety stuff. She's trying. <laughs> you guys don't even know how far I've come. Yep. This is me with progress. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, that was on us being approachable or not. Yeah. Or no, intimidating or intimidating. not. Intimidating. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Well, we got there from asking questions. I yes. think we we're talking about asking yes. questions. So. Ask the teachers. Ask the, at. yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. That's what I wanted to say is uh, I was riding with Buck one time and another one of the participants came up. You know, I mean, I, I mean, when I go to like, like one of Buck's clinics, you got to think none of the other participants or very few of them usually know me. Right. I'm just, I'm just a guy there. Right. I'm not a, they, they have You're no just idea. The guy on the mule. Yeah. I'm the guy on the mule, but, but they, but you know what I mean? They don't know that I'm a teacher of any kind. Um, but they're usually observant and they see that I'm kind of, I'm, you know, I get along and I know all the, I know the, the things and I, when I work, I work my butt off. I'm not going to let Buck catch me not working he, he will not see me not working i i mean i am there to learn and i'm going to get my money's worth because i had to take off a clinic of my own to go there right i had to miss work of my own to go there just like any other participant well, had to and i feel like off. you're kind of in the spotlight a little bit when you co go with to a, a clinic like that with a mule like you yep. gotta be on your game to represent all of us but i remember i remember i was there that one year and uh participants kept coming up and asking me questions and i'm like no no don't go ask him like you're paying him all this money go ask him like this is my time to just work and you know what i mean like i wouldn't uh, well and it's not that you wouldn't help them, i would but, i would gladly help them but, but my point was is i know what that's like yes. as a teacher when i'm seeing the participants out there trying to you know and nothing against figuring them figuring it out themselves that's great and i, and I do appreciate whoever's helpful i'm not saying that but i'm saying Go ask the teacher. You're, you're not, here to learn from them. And you're not guaranteed to get the right information. I watched, like I was saying with that poor lady getting um, advice from everyone but Buck. It was all wrong. Oh my gosh. She would get it from these two, this couple over here. And then yep. the per, another person would walk up later and say, that's not right. You need to do it this way. And then, another, I mean, I watched it over and over and she was just so grateful for any help. You know, she had yep. no idea. She was just very welcoming of any help she needed. She wanted it. help, you know, you know? and I, I had to hold myself back to not be one of those people, but I did want to walk up there and say, go ask him. Stop well, asking. finally, finally Buck sent Noah Cornish over there to. Yes. To help him help help her out so yeah. that's good but that's good. uh but we had one clinic member where someone was shouting at a participant 
Yes. And we thought they were, it must have been a, a family member or something. We thought they must have been to, together. Well, we, had, we found yeah. out afterwards that it wasn't, it was just some spectator. Some random spectator. They didn't even know who it was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, remember the clinic we were doing and some random spectator just went out there and started working with their <laughs> participants mule. And we thought, well, they, they've, they've clearly got to know each other. They've, you know, they must be friends. Although we don't, we don't really allow That's, that. Yeah. Like we don't really allow, uh, you're, you're paying for your participant you, you, spot. Yeah, you pay for your participant spot, not Can't the meal it, spot. It's it your spot. So it's you're the student, but. Unless it's like a child or something. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's if it's a parent helping a, a underage child, I mean, I don't care. But I'm talking about like, you know, if, if I went with you as, you know, I'm paying, you know, you're the paid student. I, I'm not, I can't go in there and go like. <laughs> go do my go do your stuff you you need to go do the class yourself it's your class but remember this guy goes in there and he's starts working with this lady's mule (laughs) and i was you know probably a little bit more shy back then about like addressing things like that so i didn't really say much well it's hard when you don't know the situation yeah i didn't know but after she didn't even she had no clue who that guy so was and then we didn't and she didn't want she didn't want him helping and so she's like go away dude <laughs> but she's so nice that she didn't you know like yeah. she just hands over her meal to this guy she has no clue <laughs> oh, the, with so a crap. another note to everyone listening don't do that do not <laughs> do not hand your meal to any or spectator if anything like that happens and you can say tie help tie help yeah i had no i had no idea and i was you know that's years ago now and i was you know maybe too shy to address that right like but i we just didn't know how i didn't i didn't know what to say but now i think like what the crap guy <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Gosh. Yeah. So uh anyways, we we've yeah. had lots of experiences. We could we could probably go on and on about little things like that happening. The but silly things. You know, looking at after that poor lady. It's just no, like, it's like so is sad. this weird? The same with the spectator that was ho- I mean, she was yelling yes. like over tie for this other participant to do it this way or this way. And my and- teaching style is and and pretty much most people listening to this probably know because they've listened to this and this is like 150 some episodes, whatever, but <laughs> you, got the, got it you, you kind of figure out what I'm talking about here. But in a clinic, my teaching style is I treat the people exact same as I treat the mules. I will present a situation to them and then I will hang back and let them figure it out. And I will assist as I see the need yes. to assist. I'm, I'm not going to go, micromanage i don't micromanage my meals and so i don't micromanage people i'm not going to sit there and and nitpick somebody i give them some information and then i let them figure it out and there's been so many cool studies and there's so much education on how the brain works people retain so much more by sorting it out themselves now i'm not saying i'm not going to come give you i mean you all know i'll come tell you you know what you can do better right I don't Especially, just leave them out to yeah. dry, but I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to come tell you what you can do better. I'm not going to just leave you there. But what I mean is I'm not going to sit and nitpick and micromanage and, and picket people. I don't, I don't do that, but it's funny. A lot of times this inspector <laughs> on the side will, well, they'll call me over. Like they have a question. <laughs> so I think they have, they have a meal question. This happens so often. Every, almost every time <laughs> they'll call me over there. Hey, you, you should go help them. I am. <laughs> I am helping them. Well, you should go tell them what what to do. 
let no let them figure it out and and i'm i look at these people i'm like no wonder you can't get along with your mule either because you do the same thing to your mule they sit and micromanage the poor things you gotta let them them figure it out try at least at least letting them try for a minute because you can learn i mean it's like cause and effect you're gonna learn if i do this this happens teach effort yeah and then uh if ty comes in and shapes you up a little bit why don't you try it this way after you've tried it your way for a minute because they why don't you switch this up i mean just just change your angle from here to here or just stand here instead then you're gonna be like aha you know the light bulb goes off because and that's where the the work that's where the learning sinks in i i love learning about learning like how people learn and how people put things together and if they can sort it out on their own i give them enough information to be able to accomplish it but they got to do it. Uh, it it's so good but a lot of people on the sidelines especially i feel like we're picking on spectators you know we're spectators. we love you we do enjoy spectators i i, I do enjoy you if you're good um but uh, <laughs> it's true i enjoy them if they're good if they're not i don't <laughs> but uh yeah um a lot you of gotta let them sort it out you gotta fix it up and wait it's like like tom dorrance would say fix it up and wait you know it's one of those fix things it up too and wait. we hit we have um couples come or or parents it's with the their best. kids it's know? the best when the wife is yelling at the husband in the arena <laughs> yes and, and I mean, <laughs> all the time, though, they'll go and check in, you know, which is fine. You know, you'll go over to the fence and, and maybe that's, have a chat for a second. Yeah, and they'll say, try, try this, try this. I mean, that's just normal. Um, but so often, I mean, probably every week also where we have somebody who says, my husband's really struggling or my wife's really struggling. Like, you, will you help them go and do this or that? And so it's kind of one of those things, too, where it's so easy to, like, nitpick your family you know? oh, yeah yeah your family <laughs> is the hardest on family like it, it's yeah and like it's easy it, to feel nitpicked oh, yeah. by your family like i'm saying especially the poor husbands yes <laughs> because a lot of these a lot of these women are experienced and it's an interesting situation it's kind of our, our, the culture a little bit right like men are supposed to know stuff right <laughs> like we're supposed to know things yeah you know like it's just our culture here especially in the u.s that we're supposed to be kind of we're supposed to know things and especially when it comes to a, a, a little bit more of a masculine thing with like horses and equine and mules. Like it's, it's generally more masculine. Right. And so you kind of are expected to know stuff. And so these poor husbands, they show up and their wife made them come to the clinic, <laughs> you know, like, and, and a lot of, a lot of men have a hard time. Men have a hard time accepting help from other men, mm-hmm. you know, like, like all the guys, I feel like they look at me like, I'm here because my wife made me. Don't say a thing to me. Yeah, just like, let me get just through these. Just let three me days. survive three days, and I try to read it. You know, I try to help, and I try to make light of, of of those situations and try to help those people. But it's kind of funny. But yeah, those some of those wives they will nitpick those poor husbands. Well, it's funny even with you know I tease um, Megan Mensing who is here this week yeah. about um, you know because she's working with with Shane. Or, or her son. And uh, I remember at the cult starting, you know, she just so badly wanted to last summer to oh, jump yeah. in there and help him or, you know, and like, just let him be, just let him be, you let know? him learn. You got to let him figure it out. Yeah. Parents know? and children are like that, you know, yes. cause a lot of parents are like, let's face it. Parents. Okay. Sometimes you are embarrassed of your child. <laughs> like, let's be real. You, your child embarrasses you. <laughs> and so they'll be there at the clinic and their kid is not getting it. And it's okay. 
I'm there to help them. That's my job, right? But the parent just can't take it. Like well, they can't stand their kid looking like a dork or something yeah, out there. I, and... I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, Ty is really good with our girls. Um, especially with, with Ellie. And I say, especially Ellie, just cause she's the one that is riding the most and he's the, or she's the one that's out and about the most ways he rides a little bit, but you know, Ellie's always wanting to do everything by herself. And, um, Ty is really good at just letting her be and letting her learn. And I am not, I have had to really <laughs> work on myself to not, um, nitpick and not because I'm trying to, but I want to help her do it right. Just so I think everyone has the right intentions that gets that way because um it's like watching know, like, ellie saddle like <laughs> no bridle watching bri- bridle. yeah it, but like you know i've watched her she picks her saddle up she climbs up her little manning block she goes to throw it on she falls off you know and you see her fall down with the saddle and you want to go like uh, well, now no, it's just let her sloppy just, and she's gotta yeah just let her do it just she crawl, crawls back up there and she throws it on and and the saddle's halfway on the back, and thank goodness for her amazing, <laughs> was, nice mules. I was gonna say sometimes you just feel bad for the mule yeah. because that's that's where your concern comes from. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. So I'm seeing her, and she's just pushing that saddle, and I'm like, let her do it. You just do it. you have to let you just gotta I mean, let really, them do it. Everything with with these mules, and and many things, but everything with these mules, you have to learn from experience. You know, I mean, you're gonna learn the right way to do it, but you're ultimately. Like say, you know, you're going to listen to this podcast or you're going to read a book or you're going to watch a DVD. You got to go do it. You're going to learn how to do it, but you got to still go and do it. You got to go do it. For me, I feel like I have a, I have a lot of knowledge about how cult starting should go. And you see me start. I've seen it a million times, but how, how many times have I actually done? Not a million, not a million, (laughs) maybe (laughs) twice actual cult starting from zero. You know, I, I, I don't. I've only done the first ride maybe twice and you know, I would do it after a few rides and then I take it. But anyway, so you have to let people get experience, not, not be too hard on them for not doing it right, right from the bat off the bat. The same, the same lesson is also applied to your mule. Yes. Like you, you just fix it up and let the mule figure it out. It's like when we started at the beginning of the show today, talking about the roping dummy and getting the mule hooked onto the roping dummy, like you, you let them be there. And if, when they don't, you, then you help. Yeah. Another, but you let them figure it out. Another example of that is if you guys have seen Ty do fence work, um, or with the mounting block where you're sending them, uh, between you and the fence so that they're learning to stand right up against the fence. And when they're coming through in front of you, you'll ask for the stop so that they're standing right along the fence and you're doing your half circles in between. Anyway, those who, who know, will know what I mean. But, um, when you ask for that stop, if they miss it, you just keep going. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, you don't, hiya and (laughs) make them quit, you know, Yeah. which we, we used to do, you know, we'd be like, Nope, you stop. I wanted you to stop. You stop now. Yeah. All these things we have, learned well we've learned by doing like exactly you know you're gonna learn it's great and like ty says it's great to learn from other people's experiences you know life's too short to learn from your own experience you gotta learn from somebody else's yeah so you're gonna take all that and then you can go apply it yep and you're gonna get your own experience so so moving on uh i'm probably gonna do another episode with lisa taka yeah you should for the boyd ranch 
mule days and I'll probably make you do it too. So we'll probably talk more about the Boyd Ranch and, and I feel back at the beginning of the show. I kind of said, we'll talk about that later. Let's, <laughs> let's just uh, give them a little brief uh, uh, rundown of, of the clinic and the experiences there. And, and uh, but we'll, we'll talk more about the whole thing on another episode. So how'd you like, how'd you like uh, Boyd Ranch mule days? I loved it. You know, usually we usually have our Arizona clinics ahead of that and the Boyd Ranch mule days um, and our clinic is at the end. So we usually do our three day clinic and then we head home. We miss the rest of the, the fun. So this time uh, we were there. We're trying to stay for more fun things. Yeah, We've we, kind of been, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be more social. He's trying to be more present you guys, which is partly why we went from doing three classes last year. So from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. And this year we've cut back again to just the two classes. Yep. And that way Ty has been able to give you more of himself because, um, you know, I mean, you get worn out. And then, you know, last year, however many years we did the three classes, mm-hmm. Ty is worn out by the end of the day. And if you need extra help, he's not available because now his kids are all over him and he needs some dinner and we go to bed, you know, yep. <laughs> and start again. So it's been fun uh, to do just the two classes. Um, Ty's been able to kind of hang out a little bit more with everybody and be a little more social. A lot of these events I'm trying to stay because a lot of times we do my, we do the clinic and then roll out, <clears throat> you know, and I said, hey, let's, we need to enjoy these. Have some fun. Between. We need to enjoy these times because I don't know how long they're going to last. Yeah. So it was really fun. We got to ride a couple days. Um, so the Boyd Ranch Mule Days, they do some trail rides. And then they did a fun little mule ramble, like Ty mentioned, that he announced for. They just did four little fun, silly Gymkhana games, like not your usual Gymkhana stuff. Um, and uh, they have, it's super fun because they do breakfast, lunch, and dinner almost every day, I think, most of the days. And everyone gathers together each morning and evening, and then you go out and ride together. Um, really, was just a fun hangout uh, event. You know, it was super fun. Um, the trails there—it's nice because you don't have to trailer out. You just get to leave right there from the ranch. And the girls uh, had friends to play with, and it was a good time. Yeah, it was. My my favorite thing about it—you know—we've been to a lot of events. My favorite thing about it was there's just a flat fee, right? Like you pay this much to get in and you yep. get, you get, and there's a three, you I think do. it's 350 bucks, uh, yeah, I think. 350 bucks all week. You get yeah, to go ride, you get your, eat, your camp, camping, meal, you get your stall, you get all the meals. You don't have to decide whether you want to participate in the meals or not. It's just part of it. And then when you went to do concert, the, yeah, they had a little concert, a little, it was so fun. We, we danced some, you know, um, but then when they, I got you dancing, he did, when we did the, uh, mule ramble, you know, you didn't have to pay to enter. It was just for fun. I mean, you're already there. It's just all, all inclusive. <laughs> it was, it was a great time. It was super fun. Happy hour. Yes. Happy hour. Right, for for we me, drink for our Coca-Cola Coke and Coke zero. Yeah. Coke, Coke zero. You guys, I have to put this out there. All of you guys bring Thai Cokes. Okay. Cause you want to bribe them or whatever it is. <laughs> I like Coke Zero. <laughs> Just put that out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but it, it was fun. Everyone gets together before dinner. Oh, they had great caterers there too. Um, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, good food, good people, great time. It was 
it was really a good time. And we're going to, we're going to do a special episode here, uh, on the Boyd Ranch Mule Days. I'm going to get Lisa Taka on here and we'll get Sky back on here and, uh, we'll have some fun chatting about that. So I have to say it, it, it's moving right up there to, I mean, we've been to a lot of mule events. It's moving right up there too. You got to, you got to come. It's fun. It's, I mean, the time of year is perfect because you get out of the winter. Yeah. You can't beat it. (laughs) Boyd Ranch Mule Days. You got to look it up, find it on Facebook, find it on the internet. And, uh, it's, it was so, it was so fun. Wickenburg, Arizona. They have a Facebook group right now. So you can get in there and see some of the pictures and Mm. things like that. Um, hopefully I told them they need to make an actual Facebook page so that people are, it's a little easier to find, but, um, go look for that Facebook group, Boyd Ranch Mule Days. Yep. Good time. Okay. I've got to thank another uh, sponsor. We appreciate their support. We'll be right back. I'm going to take some questions uh, that some listeners have sent in. Uh, Sky, thanks for jumping on today. You're welcome. Love you. (laughs) Okay. We'll be right back. Or at least I will. Hey, I want to thank our amazing sponsors at Mules and More Magazine. Mules and More has been around a long time. It's a great magazine. And uh, shoot, I've been reading this magazine since I was just a little kid. I remember my dad subscribed to this when I was little. And I'd read it every month and loved it. And now uh, our good friend Corey Daniels has taken over as editor of this magazine the last few years. And she has done an amazing job. Um, Also, did you know that Mules and More comes in a digital format? You can download it on your phone, read it wherever you're at. So... Hey, be sure to check them out, mulesmore.com. And, uh, you know, hey, tell them Ty sent you. I'd be very grateful. Mulesmore.com. Okay. Uh, that was a lot of fun having Sky on the show today. Uh, so grateful for her and all she does for our our mulemanship program we got going and these clinics. Uh, she's, she's just amazing. And I'm sure she would love to hear from you guys. So if you have comments or or questions for sky be sure to send them to us uh the email is ty at tsmules.com and just put podcast in the subject line and i'll make sure she sees them so thank you um got some questions here uh we want to get to first question uh my name is hannah stratman or stratman sorry if i said that wrong uh, my boyfriend and I work horses together. We have about 10 years horse experience each, but have only trained one mule. I am an avid podcast listener and follow your Facebook, but I am stumped with some tough uh, with some tough mules. We have two unhandled, basically wild mules. What do we do to get them to be touchable and halterable? Um, she kind of goes on here and tells me a little bit about about these animals um gives me a little bit of background uh, these are not young mules these are a little older or middle-aged mules uh um and they sound pretty darn tough so uh she goes on and says uh you mentioned roping a spooky mule in um uh, in another podcast uh but i worry roping them would be too extreme for mules that are so worried about people and cannot be touched to start with do you have any advice on touching them, Hannah and Ethan? <clears throat> okay, Hannah and Ethan. Um, okay, 
first of all, though, if, if they really are that wild that they that they've never been touched, can't be touched, or so wild that those are the exact kind that I do rope if I need to. Um, all this really comes down to the time you want to spend. Okay, so you can spend all kinds of time. Uh, there's no limit. Uh, but Hannah and Ethan kind of go on here to say that their time is actually limited. If they can't make some progress and at least get these mules haltered, then they're probably going to have to let these mules go. All right, so you do have a time crunch. So in that case, I am getting them roped. And if they're really just as wild as they sound, uh, I mean, you guys, this sounds like these mules are, are completely untouchable, extremely spooky. Uh, very reactive. This is not your backyard pet. This is a handful. Um, okay, so we got to get halters on them. We got to get them halter broke, but they're wild. Yeah, these are these are the kind that I am working off of the back of another mule or another horse. I'm going to get them roped. I'm going to do all of of my groundwork, so to speak, from the back of another mule, while these mules are on the end of a rope. So, and you mentioned you got 10 years horse experience each. Um, so I'm not sure, Hannah and Ethan, uh, how handy you are with a rope. And also handling a rope, roping another one, and knowing how to use that rope correctly. Um, this is not exactly the platform for me to go into depth about uh, how to operate this type of a deal uh this is something that you probably want to make sure you you understand very clearly before you before you approach this this situation this way but but it, you're asking what i would do so you're asking what i would do in that moment and, and i'm going to get them roped uh i'm going to use a like a triple x soft nylon rope or like a poly some really soft rope i'm going to put a stop knot in it because i don't want the rope to choke these animals if you pull on them you get them you, if you rope them and, and you put them into any kind of choke you put them in a total different chemical mindset you put them over way high into the sympathetic nervous system they go into the flight the fight the freeze and that is not a good learning environment. Now they're going to be into the, into the into that high sympathetic anyways. They're probably going to be pretty flighty because it sounds like they're wild and probably just your presence as a human being is going to be enough to set them off. Um, I'm going to mention a couple things about that in just a second. But uh, just you being there is going to get them too high anyways. Um, so you being on another mule or a horse and you know operating a rope off of that that is probably going to be a little easier for these mules to cope with rather than you being on the ground working through this stuff. In my experience, having that saddle mule in there is a huge benefit to mules or horses that are really wild, okay? Now, remember these things I'm saying is because you mentioned that you're on a little bit of a time crunch to get these things halter broke, and uh, that will be the first thing going against you is your lack of time. You know, the more time, the better. Uh, you know, really, if they're this but wild and crazy, I I would like to just take a little time and just have them there at my place. Uh, Doing do anything with them. Just have them in the corrals. 
and they are going to be interactive with all my other animals. They will be out in the herd with all of my good saddle mules. All of I got a whole bunch of super friendly, very gentle, really kind of a type of in your pocket type of mules. I got a whole herd of them. And so I'm going to stick these wild ones right in there with that herd of good stuff. And they're going to be out there when I go catch all my other mules every day. They're going to be there. And I might not catch these animals. Obviously, they're wild. I can't catch them. But they're in a good, like my, those corrals that I have, they're, they're drill pipe corrals. They're, they're heavy duty. These mules aren't going to be jumping over them or going through them. Um, I don't have to worry about that. So I can go out there. I can catch my others. And they can just be interactive with me every day like that. I'm gonna, I feed them all morning and night. So they're going to see me throw hate to them. They're going to see me be around them. They're going to see me walking out there. And that will calm them down over a couple of weeks or a month's time or a couple months' time. <clears throat> Just that familiarity and getting them to be able to tolerate me being around will be a huge help in the situation. So I need to get them familiar with, with humans. And, and that's the way I'm going to do it, is putting them out with my herd and letting them see me around. Now... When it comes time to actually do a little work, I'm going to I'm gonna set it up so I can just uh, coax them, drive them into my round pen. I don't have to catch them and take them to it. I can just kind of drive them in, herd them kind of into the round pen uh, a little bit. And then I am going to go ahead and get them roped. And it's going to be a real quiet, gentle session. You know, a lot of people, when they hear roping, they're thinking like some stinking team roping deal where you're turning you know turning hard and and dallying fast and no when you're working with a rope uh with an equine it's quiet uh you really don't want to get them bracing and that is the biggest mistake a lot of people make is they'll get one roped and they put a dally on there and they get the mule bracing against it i've seen it happen all the time you know i've been in a few competitions where other other uh competitors you know, get a rope on one, they just get the fight on and then it just doesn't help them. And I've made that mistake a million times too of, of dallying and letting them hang too much and pull on me. And then they just get resistant. Now, let me reiterate again, uh, about the stop knot in your rope. You do not want to choke them. That puts them in a whole different mindset and you don't want to do that. So you need to put your stop knot Oh, a couple foot down from the Honda, you kind of have, you know, put it on one of your good mules, you, you know, one of your broke mules, uh, so you can kind of get the adjustment right where that stop knot should be and uh, put it in there so that you don't put the choke on. But it needs to be tight enough that the rope won't slip over them, of course. You know, kind of use your common sense there. Um, but you don't want to choke them. hope I'm saying that enough, getting the point across. Uh, but I'll get them roped, and, you know, first thing I do is I just, get them caught so you you get you get a rope around their neck and you just let them pack that rope and you're going to be on your riding mule in the middle of the arena or the, uh, excuse me the middle of the round pen and and that mule the the, the wild one's going to be on the outside going round and round and um, you just let them pack the rope and if it takes you 10 minutes to get them to calm down no problem if it takes you uh 45 minutes if it takes you that long it's no problem but you you kind of get to where um you know, you, you kind of get them, get them quiet just packing that rope around. So you're not trying to control them. And again, that's the first mistake. The most common mistake people make when they get into this predator mindset 
and they want to get the mule caught. They want to capture that thing. You don't want to do that. So you get them packing that rope around and then you just start to time up with those feet and you, you ease it around. Uh, this is definitely a game for a professional. Okay. So if, if you're not feeling confident, Hannah or Ethan, uh, pass these mules on to a, to a pro, uh, a, a trainer that's, you know, experienced in, in doing this with this caliber of, of mule. This is not your typical cult start. This is not your typical gentle mule halter breaking big difference in getting one like this halter broke, uh, then in getting a little weanling halter broke a huge difference in what's going to happen but the process is the same i do the same process with my babies um, and we have a few halter breaking videos on our video library you could check out um, so that's kind of how i'm going to go about it uh, just over a little period of time to where uh, i can get them to just lead off of that i teach them all my meals to lead off of that neck i don't teach them to lead off of their nose first i like to teach them to lead off the neck you know your throat latch basically uh, that's your true lead anyways so that's pretty much what i'll do hannah um you know and when you're done with your session you just uh, keep feeding that rope and you let that honda fall and uh you let it fall off of them and it's no big deal pretty safe pretty simple you don't even have to get up there and take the rope off off of them that first session. Although you typically get them, even these wild ones, even ones that I've worked that are really, really wild, you guys. Uh, you can get to where you can walk up there, uh, you know, from your saddle mule and reach over and pet them on the neck and pull that rope off. And, uh, you know, you might not have them leading, you know, necessarily that first couple sessions, depending on how much time and effort and your, and your balance and timing is. Uh, but you can get them gentler and then tomorrow do a little bit more. So I might, I might work uh, for four or five days from the back of another mule with mules that are this touchy and this wild that you're describing here. Um, you know, if they're not this wild, a lot of you listening, you know, this question probably doesn't apply to 99% of you. 99% of you are probably, you don't need to hear this information necessarily, um, but if you're working with handfuls, that's kind of the process I'm going to be going through. And, you know, it wouldn't hurt my feelings to work four or five days from a saddle mule doing this. Um, I, I get them all the way halter broke from a saddle mule. So I get them leading. I get to where I can I can walk up and, and halter them from my saddle mule, like putting the halter on while you're on another mule. Put that halter on and lead them that way. Do it all from another mule if they're this touchy of this wild. Uh, and that will be your very best tool as a handy saddle mule. Okay. Thanks for the question, Hannah and Ethan. Okay. Next question from comes from Scott Nichols. Hello, Ty. I hope you and your family are doing well. I'm working with an older mule, uh, with a 10 month old. Uh, oh, oh, excuse me. I'm working with an older mule and with a 10 month old mule. I have two questions for you. Number one, can you re-explain the difference between being broke to lead and broke to follow? I'll answer this first. So broke to lead. What I mean by that is that you can send that mule anywhere on the end of that lead rope. You can send them to the left, to the right, forward, back, wherever you want. And they handle and operate and they go with you on a loose rein primarily. You rarely will have to make contact with the rein. You can lead them and they're there with you on a loose rein. That's 
what I mean by being truly broke to lead, where they're hooked on to you. And it's not necessarily that lead rope that they're they're minding. It's it's you and your presence and the feel that you put into the lead that they're minding. Being broke to follow, uh, that's what most mules are. And they'll follow you as long as the going is good and they're comfortable and not too many distractions or too many worries. They'll just follow you. And being broke to follow, an example of that is where a mule will follow you around everywhere outside, but then maybe you go load up in the trailer and they're like, mm, no. So that's the difference between being broke to lead and broke to follow. Even if you got them broke to follow, I mean, that's better than being broke to drag. And you didn't really ask about that, but being broke to drag is where you have to have contact on that lead rope all the time to get them to do anything. And I don't want to have to have contact on that lead rope. Okay, Scott, second question. The 10-month-old is leading on a nice, loose lead, but when he gets distracted, impatient, or excited, he'll want to move out in front of me. I have been redirecting the forward motion left to right. He rolls, uh, he then rolls his hinds, um, and we continue walking on a loose lead. However, I just watched the video on leading a mule that bolted, but was not sure I should use that technique on the baby. Thank you for everything you do. So Scott, yeah, you, I mean, you, you kind of got it on, uh, you kind of got it going already. Uh, yes. If, if when this mule kind of bolts past you a little bit, first of all, I'd say pay more attention so that, that doesn't happen. Redirect them. If, if you're, re if you're trying to direct the mule after they've bolted, you're too late. So pay more attention to this baby. When you see the signs and the symptoms Start fixing it then. Don't wait for them to actually blow past you. So that's really key and really important in, in teaching these youngsters how to lead correctly. And setting them up for a good life too. Is You need to be uh, preemptive, proactive, and make sure that you're redirecting that thought rather than trying to correct the action. So you, you got it right. And, and so say, but let's say you are late and they bolt past you, whatever. Um, yeah, you could just... Step in there, roll the hip over. You know, at first you might just have to hang in there. You might just have to hang on the lead. You might get drug around for a second. I don't know the situation. Try not to let go because that puts them into another chemical mindset. You know, if, if, if they get scared enough that they bolt, that tells you that they're already high in the sympathetic nervous system. They're on the flight. They're way high. Okay. They're, they're, it's perceived danger and they're trying to get away. Okay. So they're already there. If you don't hang in there with them and you kind of let go of that lead rope, um, they gonna, they're going to trot over there. They're going to get a big old release, a big old hit of some good feeling chemicals. And they're going to learn really quickly that whenever they get scared, just run away, bolt away, and you will feel better when you get away. You want to help them be able to learn how to self-regulate and stay there with you and not feel the need to bolt and run away. So pretty important there that you try to redirect the thought, help them come down from there, help them self-regulate. So when they get a little up, pause then. You see them get a little worried, stop. Everything you're doing, just stop and pause. Let them learn how to self-regulate and come down off of that. And uh, once they've settled a little bit, then go again. Every time they get worried, just pause, let them self-regulate. That's a great way to handle those youngsters. Well, all of them, for that matter. Okay, uh, 
Next question comes from uh, Jamie uh, from Illinois. When do you recommend hooking on and when do you not? Do you do this step with every animal you're going to work with? If so, do you do it before beginning the groundwork checklist with them? Once you've gotten an animal to hook on, do you normally ever do this step again or just one time? I have listened to 77 out of the 149 podcasts so far, but have not heard an answer to this at this point. I also have not found this answer in your videos just yet. I apologize if it has already been covered. Thank you so much for your time. Okay, Jamie, uh, I, I get all my colts hooking on. Uh, so before I ever start my groundwork, I'm talking way back, um, b before I ever do a whole lot of really intense groundwork as a two, three, four-year-old, I definitely go through the hooking on process. I want to get them to where they're with me because they want to be. I teach them that I am a comfort zone. When they're near me, they can feel comfortable um, and, and help them seek that comfort near me. So we put them in this situation in a round pen where there is some pressure to, to the situation and some discomfort to the situation. And you kind of set it up in a way that they find comfort near you every single time. That's the purpose of the hooking on, get, helping them learn that, that being near you is going to be a comfortable, good situation. You want to make sure that is instilled in all of your meals. So even if you go buy a brand new meal, say you just go buy a new meal today and, uh, you know, it's, it's 15 years old. Would you do the hooking on? Uh, and you might say, well, the meal's dead broke, just amazing broke animal. Yeah, I, I would still do the hooking on. I want to, I want to establish that relationship with them. Uh, and there's other ways you can do it. Yeah. You can just go through the moves, go through the motions, do all the other work and help them see and find comfort near you. But the hooking on process, I th think is pretty valuable. So yeah, I do it with all my animals. Um, and yes, some of them, I only do, uh, do this with them a, a couple of times. Uh, it's definitely not a daily deal. Maybe when I'm starting them as, as a youngster, it might be daily. But uh, yeah, you can do it more than once. So anyways, always is the answer, Jamie. Thanks for the question. Next question uh, comes from Lori Dodd. Um, hey, Tyne Sky. I really enjoyed the virtual clinic on the snaffle bit to the bridle. Also, I have finally come into the 21st century and have Spotify. I've listened to all the podcasts and love them. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely love all of them. Uh, Billie Jean, that's her mule. And I don't seem to be progressing much and seem to just stay in the same place. Our groundwork is pretty good. Um, we will have 10 good rides and then a really bad ride. Our last ride was really bad. Billie Jean had a meltdown at a bridge uh, that we have crossed several times before. She reared, backed, and kept spinning around i used all the tools i've learned from you and we got across the bridge um she goes on here and talks a little bit more about billy jean uh putting her tongue over the snaffle bit and gaping her mouth a little little while um she was wanting to move she wants to move into the hackamore but i know now after six years in the snaffle it's never going to happen i don't know Lori. uh i know it's okay to have a good snaffle bit mule and never progress but we still aren't good in the snaffle. Any advice would be very much appreciated. Sean and I are looking forward to the cult starting in June with Pablo. Um, so, okay, Lori. Uh, first of all, don't be discouraged when you have these ups and downs. In fact, they're normal. And in fact, they're actually healthy. I think that we should have some challenging rides. 
and get through those challenging rides and help the mule learn how to self-regulate, come down off of that, feel good in the situation, feel good in the moment. So those, those rides that seem tough and it seemed like uh, you had some challenges, in fact, those are probably likely your most valuable rides. They're probably the, the ones that really actually mean the most and you learn the most. So, you know, when you have those negative situations like at the bridge or whatever, it's okay. You know, just be grateful for the opportunity. Say, I'm so glad you give me the opportunity to work on my mulemanship today and work through that situation. Get through it. Help them feel good getting through it and take it in stride. So don't worry about the bad days, you guys. In fact, maybe I'd be a little bit more grateful for some of those challenging days because they make your good days better and they help you be better. So I think it's good for your mule to have a bad day once in a while, so long as you get through them healthy. Okay. Now, as for moving to the hackamore. So, Lori, you know, a, a big piece of, of progressing your mule through these progressions and these steps and making a bridal mule is helping your mule to be the, the best that they can be. Now, of course, you want to make sure that you have your snaffle stuff as good as you can. And I teach my mules everything that I believe I want them to know as far as moves go and experiences. Um, I want that to happen in the snaffle bit. When I'm from the hackamore to the two rein to the bridle, it's more just about the refinement aspect of things. So you want to make sure that you've taught them everything you want them to know and they understand the things you want them to know in the snaffle bit. Once that's been achieved, yeah, you can move into the hackamore. Now, don't be discouraged on, on time. Don't be discouraged on years. I've, I have made, personally, I have made more hackamore mules, so got mules from the snaffle to the hackamore, with some age on them than I have with actual colts. So I've bought a lot of mules that have been basically, you know, snaffle bit mule or, or sometimes I've ridden in other types of bits. And I just go back, I go through all the snaffle bit work and I get it going good. And then I go into the hackamore and just keep progressing. Some of these mules are old. Some of these mules are 10, 12, 13, 15 years old, whatever. It's all right. So don't be shy about the time. Keep working at it. Keep doing your best. Uh, and Lori, I know you work hard at things and, uh, so I think it's all going to work out. So stick to the process, stick to the checklist, be consistent and help your mule find comfort in every single move. And that will make a big difference. Don't make them do everything. Don't make them do everything. So, okay. One more question, uh, from Chris Schilling. Ty, is there anything you do or recommend for helping your mules to become, uh, stay good citizens for the farrier. I have not tried leading by foot, but I'm planning to start uh, to as a start to hobble training. Uh, Pickles is starting to pull away more and more during trims, and I'm not sure what I can do to help him. P.S. I'm stoked for Leatherwood. Me too, Chris. Can't wait to see you there at uh, Mule Days at Leatherwood there in Ferguson, North Carolina. It's going to be fantastic. If you guys haven't been to Mule Days at Leatherwood, you need to go. You got to go. So, Chris, uh, yeah. Teach, them to, teach pickles lead by a foot. That'd be a great step in helping them be better for the farrier because you teach them to soften to pressure. You teach them to get lighter to that feel and, and not pull away. So that, that'd be a great step. The other thing as you're actually working on these feet and you're trimming each foot, you know, sometimes uh, 
they have some balancing issues. And, you know, I've learned the better handle you get on your mule and the more balanced and refined your mule is under saddle, actually the better balanced and the better they stand and handle and shift weight while uh, having the farrier work on them. This is a huge overlooked thing, but you get them balanced and and riding nice, and it sure helps your your farrier work. The other thing you can do is you don't have to do that whole foot. Maybe pick up this foot and trim a little bit, move on to another foot, trim a little bit, move back to the other foot, rasp a little bit, uh, whatever. Uh, but you can shift feet more often, and and that might help them learn to balance and learn to to carry themselves you know sometimes holding that foot up gets them a little sore uh muscle wise because they're not used to shifting the weight for that longevity or or whatever so anyways i hope those little tips help you uh i think that first one of and you already answered it yourself but leading by the foot that will be a game changer for you anyways this has been a great episode you guys it was good to get sky on here again i appreciate these questions you all sent in it's always a blessing to get to answer them and get to talk about this and i really appreciate all of you taking the time to listen to this podcast wherever you are in the world i hope you're having a a fantastic day i hope you get a chance to get out there and ride your mule today and and have some fun and uh, i would love to hear from you if you're listening on if you're listening on apple podcasts if you wouldn't mind going to the the reviews and ratings and write up a little review tell me what you think of the podcast let me know your favorite episode And if you think that we are worth it, I would be so grateful if you would leave us a five-star review. And that will help other mule, horse, and donkey enthusiasts be able to find this podcast in the algorithm. And uh, hopefully we'll we'll pop up there more often in the search bar. So, uh, And if you don't have the Apple Podcast, you can always, of course, send me an email. Uh, Write me at, uh, my email is ty at tsmules.com. Uh, send me an email, put it podcast in the subject line so I know that it refers to this podcast. And tell me what you think of the podcast. Uh, be sure to ask your questions. And every question that gets submitted for the podcast will be answered on the podcast. Um, it's just a matter of getting to it because we get a little behind on some of these questions. So anyways, you guys uh, have a great day. God bless you. And we will see you down the road.